Have you ever noticed that the easiest way to get people to walk on your lawn is to put up a sign that says, don't walk on the lawn? Um, Or have you ever watched people go into the... um, 10 item or less line in supermarkets markets and try to sneak in with like 15 different items. Some of you are smiling like you know exactly what that is. Or, or watch people when you're on a plane and as the plane begins to kind of approach landing, people after just being directed not to take their cell phones and begin to make calls, uh, quietly bending their heads down. Um, Have you ever gone to a doctor's office? And I'm sure Dr. Collins could probably attest to this. And watched people in the waiting room tear articles out of the magazines or rip coupons out of them. Um, Have you ever seen people call out sick from work to go to the beach. I think I'm hitting close to home. Or uh, have you ever seen people who, they're in the store shopping and they find a, uh, an item, a piece of clothing that's their perfect fit and then they go hide it somewhere so on the chance that they come back, it'll be there for them. Some people would call those things rebellion. But we don't call them rebellion because rebellion is something that takes place by rebels. And we're not rebels. When we do those kind of things, it's because we have good reasons for them. We have justification for why we're doing it. We know that that sneaking food into the movie theater, they understand. They know that we can't afford to buy their expensive food and, and you know, we're helping them out by not putting them on the spot, but we know if, if they knew, they would say, I get it, come on in, you're okay. Because we're not rebels, we have good reasons for what we do. I'm sure Jonah felt the same way. That when he took it upon himself to do what he wanted to do, even though it wasn't what God wanted him to do, he had good reasons. He wasn't a rebel. He was an innovator. Well, I'm sure that's what he thought. This morning, as as we consider uh, our series uh, called Majoring on the Minors, uh, we're going to look at one of the minor prophets that we call Jonah. Now, I think out of uh, all the prophets, um, or all the minor prophets anyways, Jonah's story is probably the the one that's best known. It's, It's a famous story. I mean, you don't even have to grow up in the church to know the story of Jonah. In fact, Disney, I'm sure, has done one or two movies on Jonah. 
Um, it's, it's a, a fantastic story, and it's a fun story uh, to read and, and, and to listen to. Um, it's a story about a guy who gets swallowed by a whale. I mean, how do you top that? In fact, it's, it's such a, a, a famous story that kids grow up on. You, you almost wonder, is this really true? Was there ever really such a person named Jonah? Well, actually, the Bible attests to it. In fact, you know, when we've looked at some of the minor prophets, one of the things that we have found that other than in their writing, there's no mention of Amos. Uh, there's no mention of Obadiah. But believe it or not, in the, in the wildest story of the minor prophets, we do find mention of Jonah. In 2 Kings 14, we're told about Jonah, a man who lived in Gath, and uh, a, a man who was, was real. Um, and in fact, Jesus spoke of Jonah, and he viewed Jonah as a real historical person and even compared himself in the sense of his death and resurrection and rising up in the third day. Jonah is real. If people were to ask, is Jonah a real character? Your answer would be yes. I love the story of, of the little girl who, um, who was on a plane and, and she had her books with her and she had her book Jonah and the Whale and, um, and there was a guy sitting next to her and he, and he said to her um, what are you reading? and she said well I, I'm reading Jonah and the Whale and he said oh do you believe that story? she said yep he said I mean, come on do you really believe that a man could be swallowed by a whale and be in that whale's stomach for three days, and then after three days be spit out and still be alive? She said, yep. And he said, well, what proof do you have for that? I mean, how can you know that for sure? And she said, well, the Bible says so. And he goes, but what real proof? And she said, well, one day when I get to heaven, I'll ask Jonah. And the man said, well, what are you going to do if you get to heaven and Jonah's not there? And she said, well, then you can ask him. <laughs> but uh, th that little girl realized something that is key to reading Jonah or reading any part of the Bible. She realized that either you believe it or you don't believe it. I mean, you know, I look at it this way. Once you come up to Moses parting the Red Sea, you're either in or you're out, you know? Um, if you're in at that point, you're in for the rest of it because <laughs> that's pretty big order. Um, well, let's look at the text for a minute. Learn a little bit about Jonah. Um, can you pop it up there? We read this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, 
son of Amittai, go to the great city, city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Hold on. Back it up. There we go. Um, so what's the first thing we see? God goes to Jonah and he says to him, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to preach to them a message, a message of warning that if they don't stop their abuse of my people, if they don't stop their wickedness, I will bring wrath upon them. Now, what was he talking about? Well, the northern part of Israel, we had said before, was, was taken over by the Assyrians. And so Jonah was preaching during that period. He was called to the northern kingdom to go and to preach and to share God's warning and God's will. Well, it seems pretty simple. If, if God came to you and God told you something to do, would you do it? I mean, if God spoke to you in a clear, audible way where you knew this was God, of course you would do it. Not Jonah. Jonah goes and runs down and books passage uh, on a ship uh, heading in the ex opposite direction to a place called Tarshish. Um, it was a place around southern Spain, which is a good place to vacation. And so God gives him a command, and the first thing he does is he goes out and books a trip in the opposite direction. Now, why would Jonah do something like that? Uh, well, it's the same reason I think we do stuff like that. We think God doesn't really know what's going on here. I mean, um, you know, we've got eyes on the ground. We see the details. God doesn't quite get it. And, um, and so it's time for me to, to move in and to, uh, to come up with a, a better plan. You ever think like that? Oh, sure, you don't say it like that. You say, God wants me to go to Nineveh, but they're not gonna care. They're not gonna listen. Nineveh is, is become the capital of uh, the people of Assyria, the king. They're not gonna hear this message. I understand God's intentions and, and I get it and, and I think what God is really trying to tell me is uh, I need to go out and preach the gospel. And so I'll look at my map and find some place that's worthy of preaching and the best place is the Bahamas. Uh, the best place is the Keys. Uh, the best place is Cancun. See, we can, we can justify all this stuff. We can look and, and say, well, I know that's what God says that he wants in the Bible, but, 
but it really must be this. Uh, Sometimes we do it just because that's what we want to do. We want to do what we want to do. Sometimes we do it because we think we're defending some greater good. That that we're going to not do this and it's against God's will and God's word, but, but in the end, it's for the greater good of everybody. So we make ourselves martyrs to God. Um, sometimes we do it, we just don't want to be told what to do. How many of you like to be told what to do? Yeah, very few hands. Nobody likes to be told what to do. I mean, think about the culture that we live in today. Think about what's going on with police officers. Because our culture is becoming more and more corrupt. And people more and more are becoming rebellious to the very powers that God has ordained, as Paul tells us in Romans 13. So Jonah decides, I'm not going. And he heads off to Tarshish after booking passage on his ship. Now, I love this. Uh, Put up verse four. Next one. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm across uh, that the ship threatened to break up. I love this. Jonah thinks that he's gonna He's going to outmaneuver God, that he's going he's gonna to run and hide and, and you know, get off the grid and, and you know, go under the wire, and, and, that, and that he's going to basically s- sneak beyond God's notice. Well, not only does God notice, but God is God. He doesn't even have to chase Jonah. He just sends a storm to go get him. He doesn't run and, and grab Jonah and, and pull. He just uses his power as God to shake Jonah's world up a little bit. And so he does. He brings a, a storm upon the ship and the people just, uh, the crew on the ship just begin to fall apart. In fact, they just start crying out to their gods and they start throwing cargo overboard to lighten the load because the ship is taken on water and it's sinking. And the captain of the ship goes down below and he finds Jonah sleeping. And he is just befuddled by this and and looks like Jonah says, what are you doing? Don't you know there's a storm going on out there? Don't you know everybody's calling on their gods to get help and and you're sleeping? Why would Jonah do that? Well, Jonah knew what was going on. But Jonah just decided, I don't care. God, do whatever you want to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. Right now, I'm just going to sleep. Imagine that. See, you ever notice that whenever you do what you want to do, whenever you do 
what is opposite of what God wants you to do, not only does it not end well for you, but you can hurt a lot of people along the way. And that's what went on for Jonah's crewmates. They had no idea what was going on. They just knew that, that somebody must have done something wrong. And so everybody better start calling on their gods. One of the most complex things in life that I struggle with is the fact that God allows people to do things that impact other people who are, who are innocent, who are trying to do the right things. Think about the teenager who, who doesn't care about the advice of their parent and they run out and they get pregnant. And now all of a sudden their world shift and now they've got a baby. And now that baby is going to be affected by their bad decisions. Their family is going to be affected by that decision. Not that babies are bad, but we can do things in a way in which we can burden others. Think about the person who decides that they're going to drink and drive because they can handle it. And all of a sudden they hit somebody else. Now they're going to jail. They're being sued. And someone else is maimed or dead and their family is grieving. Think about the adult who who cheats in their marriage. And the broken heart of their spouse. And, And the feelings of abandonment by their children. And, and all the implications that they never thought were going to be a problem. People looking at them differently. Even their workplaces in some cases firing them because they bring a bad name. When we disobey God, when we rebel against God, we not only hurt ourselves, but we hurt other people. It's amazing. If I had to have one question I would ask God, and I've said this to people before, the first question I would ask him is, God, why did you give parents so much power? Because that doesn't seem to have gone well. And yet, in that power that he gives us, he gives us, all sorts of possibilities and opportunities to raise great people. Jonah didn't care. Jonah just slept. He just said, I'm not going to do what God wants to do, and if the ship falls apart, let it fall apart. I don't care. Outside the crew, I mean, they're running around and, and now they're drawing straws. You know, they're desperate. They're trying to find out by drawing straws that 
that maybe somebody's God will reveal whose fault this is and they can figure out what, what their God wants them to do. And I love this, God just rigs the game. It points to Jonah. And so finally, Jonah has to confess. We read in verse nine. He answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Now this boggles my mind. You're gonna rebel against the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land and you think this is gonna end well for you? But that's the insanity of rebellion. Thinking that that this will be okay. Uh, the insanity of thinking that, yeah, when I, when I get my kids to stuff extra candy in their coats when we go in the movies, that it's, it's, you know, no big deal. But it's dishonest. It's rebellious. It's bringing them one step away from honesty. Because next we're teaching them as adults how to cheat on their taxes because, you know, uh, the tax code's corrupt and, and, and money goes to f- fund abortions and so it's okay because we can justify anything. <laughs> you can't outrun God. And so I love this. Jonah has to finally fess up and say, yeah, I'm the one. I'm the one who has disobeyed God. I'm the one who has angered the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. And so the crew starts saying, well, what should we do? How should we handle this? What would your God have us to do? And what does Jonah say? Throw me overboard. Talk about rebellion. Instead of just saying, look, let's pray and I'm gonna pray to God and I'm gonna accept what he's asked me to do and, and we need to turn this boat around and, and bring me back and so I can head off to Nineveh. No, he doesn't say that. He doesn't even go there. He just says, throw me overboard because I am not going to Nineveh. I'm not going to the people who oppressed my people. I'm not gonna warn them. I hope they all die. I hope they die miserable deaths. I hope God just heaps judgment upon them. And if it costs me my life, that's okay. We talked about bitterness last week. This is bitterness. And so what do the people do? The crew throws him overboard. But one of the things they do after they throw him overboard is they pray to his God and ask that, that they won't be held responsible. They pray and they make all sorts of vows and sacrifices to Jonah's God. Now here's the interesting thing. God sent Jonah on a trip to warn and to call a people to repentance that they might experience God's mercy and grace. 
And even though he didn't intend to, that's what happens on the boat. After they throw him overboard, these people who are worshiping all these other gods now start to worship the God of Jonah and start to make vows to him and sacrifices to him. Because Jonah was a tool of evangelism whether he liked it or not. Then we read this. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, that seems pretty incredible. But I'll tell you something. I mean, I've always, I've always believed this story, but I really began to believe it when my wife and I went out to, um, to Maui. Um, we were doing a missions trip out in Maui. Um, yeah. And we, we, we went out on one of these boats to go out and, and, and to, I love, find the whales, which seems so stupid when you think about it. But anyways, so we're out on, on one of these boats because in February, the humpback whales come from Alaska and they go down to Maui, just like everybody else, um, to have their babies. These things are monstrous huge. Honest to God, I, we were on our boat and we saw two big humpback whales coming right at us. And I thought, somebody needs to tell them that they're not supposed to do that. But then, then they went underwater and they went under our boat. You know what it was like? It was like standing on an overpass and watching a greyhound bus go underneath. In fact, the truth is it would be like watching two greyhound buses going underneath. Do you have that picture there? Not next one. It looked like that. I mean, blue whales, they're incredible. Humpback whales, they're massive. They look like buses that are just, that could hold a ton of people. In fact, put up the other picture. It's interesting. Do you know a blue whale is the same size as a space shuttle? Space shells 122 feet, blue whales 100 feet. Could a blue whale swallow? Of course it could. If it's the size of the space shell, I would think. That's what God did. Jonah decides, I'm going to go overboard and I'll die. And at the end of the day, it will be my will that will be done. And the God who's in charge of the heaven and the seas and the land says, I don't think so. And so the whale swallows Jonah. And he stays in that whale for three days. Now I've heard people give all sorts of scientific explanations of how that's possible. I don't even care. Anything's possible with God. Then finally... Jonah realizes living in the belly of a whale is no way to go. And so he starts praying to God in chapter three and, and, uh, and he, uh, chapter two, I'm sorry, and he's just, he's, he's asking God for forgiveness and, and, and look what we read. 
He says this, but I will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord and the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah unto dry land. I like that. It wasn't like, you know, he had the whale pull up, stick out a long tongue so Jonah could just walk. He just spews him out with all sorts of other junk. But in the midst of, of the adversity of walking in disobedience, Jonah finds religion. Isn't that sad? The only time we decide to obey God is when everything falls apart. Do you think that's what God's will is? To bring about obedience through pain? No. God's will is to bring about obedience through faith that we might experience his miracles and his joy and his love. And so after all this begging and pleading, God spits him out. Chapter three, we're told that Jonah goes to the people of Nineveh. He preaches the gospel to them. He preaches warning. And what happens? The people repent they actually repent in fact the king repents he repents he he rips his robes and and in an act of repentance and what does jonah do he gets angry he went God, I'll do what you tell me to do this time. I got it. You're bigger than I am. I'll go and repent. And hopefully, maybe, these people are just as wicked as I'm counting on them to be, and they won't repent. But they do. Look what we read. And Jonah gets angry, and, and God says, what are you angry about? And he says, I, I knew that you are gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Next. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. What a schmuck. He goes and he's successful, but he's not really faithful. He goes because he's hedging his bets. I, I don't want to do any more time in the, in the belly of a whale. So I'll go and preach it, but I'm hoping this doesn't work. I'm hoping these people don't hear it. And they do, and now he gets angry. And like a little kid, he pouts and says, I just wish I were dead now. If they're coming to the prom, I don't want to be there. Just like a, a little kid. Do you see how thick and how deep rebellion can go? Even when we see something good because it's not the way we wanted it or it didn't happen because we made it happen. We nullify it. We live in a time of massive rebellion. We really do. 
we live in a time of, of people who are not grateful for anything. Not grateful to God, not grateful to the people around them. Peter and I were talking about this a few weeks ago, and Pete kind of sees more of this than I do, and Deb Lynn, I'm sure I can tell you, both his teachers, there's a generation of kids who grow up, they take, but there's no gratitude. See, I, I can tell you, when I grew up as a kid, and you know my story, my dad died, and I was rebellious, and you know, went off the deep end with all that. But when I began to, to turn my life around, when God turned my life around, and people were gracious and cared for me and helped me. I remember Brian Moore's mother, when I lived in this little junk apartment and had no money, used to always leave these care packets. Man, I'm telling you, I was great. To this day, I'm grateful to those people who made a difference in my life. But we're living in a time, and it's spreading just beyond kids. It's, it's, it's going to adults. People aren't grateful. People don't care about what's right. What they get they're entitled to and what goes in a way that they don't want it to, they feel angry and justified. Don't be like that. As believers in Christ, Be grateful for the good that you see and be humble and recognize that God's will is more important and far better than yours. Because we live in a desperate time. I can tell you over my years in ministry, sometimes the people I helped the most turned out to be the less thankful, the less grateful, and the more rebellious. As believers in Christ, we can't live like this. God won't put up with it. And he didn't put up with it for Jonah. In fact, when Jonah sits down and has this little pity party, I love this, God causes this plant to grow up above him to give him shade, to block out the sun. And Jonah rests under the plant and he finds enjoyment in its shade. And so what does God do next? I love this. Then the next day he sends a worm to come and to eat it and make it wither. And so the sun now becomes blaring down on Jonah's head. I'm sure big bald spot, totally red. I mean, it's, and he's in agony and pain. And once again, he says to God, I wish I were just dead. This is awful. And God says this to Jonah. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 100 
and 20,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left. He's saying to Jonah, Jonah, you are so screwed up. Your priorities are so messy. You just care about your comfort. You just care about what you want. You have become totally selfish and rebellious. And you can't rejoice that people are rejoicing. We're told that one, when one sinner repents, all of heaven rejoices, not Jonah. What do we learn from the story? Here's the bottom line. Living outside of God's authority is living a life of futility. Living outside of God's authority is living a life of futility. You, you want to run away from God because you think you got a better deal somewhere else or you, you know a better way? It's going to end in futility. Try to be successful without being faithful. And all you'll end up is fearful. All you'll end up is worrying about how you're going to get more. Try to be happy without being holy. And all you're going to end up doing is being angry. Try to do anything without God, and it's futile. Try to find love without walking in God's light and all you'll find is a lifetime of misery. Try to find security without surrender and all you'll find is insecurity. Try to feel moral while living in immorality. And all you'll feel is your insincerity. You see, when we rebel against God, everything we touch dies. When we try to make friends with those who aren't friends of God, they just become enemies of us sooner or later. Living outside of God's authority is living a life of futility because your wrong intentions will lead you in the wrong direction and will lead to just more awful decisions. That's just the truth of it. God wants us to live powerful lives, but they can only live when we live obedient lives. I want you to look at Isaiah chapter 55 with me. Verse 11, this is so great. So my word that goes out from my mouth 
it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Was I saying? He's, God is saying this, my word will not come back to me void. That when I send my word out, it will accomplish all that I want to accomplish and it'll come back to me. And it won't come back void. It won't come back empty. Next verse. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. What's he saying? He's saying this, that God's purpose is to speak into our lives so that when we listen and we obey, we will go out in joy. We'll be led forth in peace. And that all that we will do, we will feel all creation around us rejoicing when we have accomplished the will and the work of God. That's what Jonah missed. Jonah looked at God's word and just said, I don't care. And you don't scare me. And you can't hurt me. And it ended in futility with Jonah pouting and whining and rebelling against God. If he had given himself and surrendered to God, he would have gone out in joy. He would have walked in peace and he would have heard the mountains around him clapping and praising God. How do we avoid rebellion? When we remember that God is powerful. When we rebel, it's so stupid, isn't it? I'm gonna rebel against God and it'll go my way. You wanna avoid rebellion, just remember God is all powerful. Number two, we're needful. We need God in our lives. We need his majesty and his glory. We need his honesty, his truth, and his love. Because without it, we're a mess. You want to avoid rebellion, you take it to heart that God is powerful and that that you're needful. And thirdly, in Christ, the future is hopeful. I'm gonna obey God because I know he's powerful and I know I'm needful and I know that in Christ, the future is hopeful. The possibilities are endless. That my life will be successful as long as I'm faithful to him. The old theologians and philosophers, and I I love this, would study with a human skull nearby. Many of you have probably seen pictures like this. 
Why would they do it? They would do it to remind themselves about the brevity of life and the possibility of the futility of their lives. To remind them that we are here for a short time as we saying we are just a vapor and we can do something great or we can just fret it all away. That we can live in joy that will lead us to the Lord or we can live in rebellion that leads us nowhere. We need to get our feet on the ground and our heads in the heavens and we need to walk with God and remember that when he calls us to obey, it's because he's calling us to lives filled with joy and hope and power. But when we live outside of his authority, we live lives of futility. I'm gonna close with a song. I just want you to just close your eyes and just listen to the words and let them minister to you.
the hand of God Almighty to part the waters and the sea. But it only took one little lie to separate you and me. Oh, we are not as strong as we think we are. When you love, you walk on the water. Just don't stumble on the waves. We all wanna go there, something awful. Stand there, take some grace Cause oh, we are not as strong As we think we are No, we are not as strong As we think we are Let's join our hearts in prayer.